We're back with another episode reviewing the Matildas, the World at Our Feet documentary, which is streaming exclusively over on Disney+. Plus. You go watch the episodes, then you come chat to us and, you know, like relive the series, talk about the fun bits, talk about the bits that were interesting. We're up to episode five now and this one was very good. This one was, I think, the one that made a lot of us cry for several reasons um so as always plenty of good stuff to talk about but before we get, begin we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today the Wurundjeri and Gadigal people and pay our respects to their elders past and present for today's episode you've got me Marissa Lordanik, Angela Christian Wilkes and Sam Lewis so friends the the big question from last episode was will Mary Fowler stay in Montpellier or will she move to Manchester We have learnt Mary Fowler does indeed move to Manchester. And I think the really fun thing for me was remembering how big a moment that actually was. Like, it was a big deal. And it's, well, maybe this is just me, but, like, I feel like it's almost lost some of its shine. But it's actually a really big deal that one of our youngest players is playing at a very big club in one of the best leagues in the world and it's it's so cool to be able to like re-watch that and get excited about it all over again um I did really enjoy her um joking about the weather in Manchester because as you can imagine a little bit different from Cairns just a little bit though but how exciting (laughs) was it to see just like relive Mary Fowler moving to Manchester City yeah, it was unreal, wasn't it? And that's the thing about the women's game still. Like we, we've we had so many of these Matildas go through moments like this and it still feels like it was it didn't really make a splash. Like aside from Sam Kerr going to Chelsea, when Caitlin Ford signed for Arsenal, everyone was like, oh, that's pretty cool. It's like she's it's one of the biggest clubs in the whole world. And it's like and just it's just a drop in the ocean of, of attention in sport media in Australia. It was just it was crazy. I feel like Mary Fowler signing for Man City made more of a splash in England than what it did here, you know, and maybe that's just by virtue of the fact that not a huge amount of people outside of Australian football circles really knew who Mary Fowler was um, or what what status Manchester City sort of held in the women's game at club level either. Um, we, and we've already had two Matildas there. We had Alana Kennedy and Hayley Rasso, and there's a like, really cute scene in this episode where they go and have a picnic together and hang out. Um, but yeah, like it, it was, it was, it was crazy. And, but the, I think this is one of the moments in the, in the series where you sort of hindsight, um, it has a different kind of shine to it because going to Man City, there was so much promise there and you felt like it was going to be like the, the opportunity for Mary to, to reach new heights, but she sort of ha- hasn't done that yet. You know, she's taken a lot longer, I think. Than maybe what we anticipated to really make a name for herself there. She hasn't really played very much um, like regular football. She hasn't really been starting very many games. She only recently scored her first goal. And maybe that's just by virtue of playing in a much more competitive team, um, the different environment, the different style, all that sort of stuff, and, and still maybe trying to figure out how she fits into football as well, what her best position is, who she needs to compete and combine with, all that sort of stuff. Um, but we've seen that her lack of form and lack of minutes at club level has translated also into a lack of minutes at Matilda's level. So it's it's interesting sort of in, a, in an inverse way, looking back at this moment and, and wondering 
had Mary gone somewhere else and played more regular football, maybe had she stayed in France for a little while, had she gone to Germany, had she gone to Sweden, had she gone to, you know, another, another club in England, how different her last sort of eight months to a year might have been, you know? I suppose she does talk to the fact that, like, the resources at Manchester City and the level of training that she was able, like, that she's able to access is so at a much higher standard than what she was experiencing at Montpellier or, Mm. like, anywhere else that she played at before then. Um, But it is, like, yeah, it's a fine kind of balance, I suppose, um, and one that we see a lot of. Matildas and people who are pushing for Matildas kind of have to figure out. Yeah, it's an interesting one um, because at the end of the day, players do need to play. I don't – that seems kind of obvious, but is it better to be playing and training in an environment that's not at that same standard but playing lots? Probably. I don't know. I'm not Tony Gustafsson. But, um, yeah, it was – I suppose in yeah that that episode was we still kind of the the warm fuzzies around that move. I, I liked the um like the picnic scene with Alana and Mary and, and Haley discussing what they did on their time during their time off. That was cute. But yeah. It it was cute and I think obviously the real big thing that came out of that picnic was just how much they enjoyed that break and how much they needed that break and you basically see every Matilda that was rested for the June window say some iteration of god I needed that I feel great now I had a chance to miss football and now I'm absolutely raring to go um as we all remember though this then their return was September 2022 the Canada series not fun um but it did start really beautifully and um, I said at the start that this was an episode that made us cry. This was absolutely the moment that brought on the waterworks. It was Emily Gilnick proposing to her partner Tamika. I didn't think that we would like get to see this. Like We all obviously knew that they had become engaged and stuff, but I didn't think that this was the kind of thing that we would get to see in the documentary and also just like, what we got to see, like Em's thought process, how she went about her day, the fact that, you know, she FaceTimed Ellie Carpenter, like that was an important enough thing for her to do on this day to FaceTime Ellie Carpenter. So Sam, I know you basically messaged us <laughs> you basically messaged us in the group chat and was like, I've just sobbed after watching Emily Gilnick propose. So I would love for you to talk yeah. a little bit more about this and why it made you cry and why I reckon it's going to make other people cry as well. Yeah, the, I think this was the scene that moved me the most of the entire series um, for a couple of different reasons. The first is that Emily Gilnick, like even though she's not a big name, she's been part of the Matildas for such a long time. She's a veteran player. She's been part of this team for over a decade. And it's a real reminder that, like, these players go through so much in their personal lives in the context of being a Matilda and that the connections that they form with their teammates are really, really deep and complex and and meaningful in lots of different ways. 
being able to see the fact that she FaceTimes Ellie Carpenter, who I didn't even know that they were besties, but this is like another insight that this series gives us and expressing her nerves and her fears and her um, anxieties around this huge moment in her life, um, knowing that she has that trust and that relationship with one of her teammates is amazing. And like, I'm so, I'm, I'm, I'm happy mostly for, for Emily and Tamika that they have this, this film about this day for them, you know, like they have, they have the whole lead up of Gilnick arriving in camp a day early because she knew that she wanted to plan the whole, this whole thing out. She's walking out of the hotel and and speaking to the camera and and talking about how how scared she is even though she's been with her partner for such a long time and i think the thing that was most powerful for me is she over the course of that morning sort of narrates her story in terms of coming to realize her sexuality and and embracing her identity and how difficult that's been for her coming from her cultural background which is Croatian and the the difficult conversations she's had to have with family and how she's tried to reconcile the 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 person she is with the person that they expect her to be and how that has also impacted her partner because she hasn't had an she hasn't been publicly out in terms of their relationship for the vast majority of the time that they've been together and to make a you know absolutely hats off to her for being so understanding I suppose and so patient even though we don't get a perspective in this but you know that's I think that even just that those couple of minutes of of Emily Gilnick speaking about her journey and how being part of the Matildas has allowed her to be comfortable with who she is it's allowed her to finally come to terms with so many aspects of herself that she always sort of knew deep down but maybe wasn't in the environment to be able to fully embrace it and now being in an environment like the Matildas which is all about inclusivity diversity there are lots of gay players being in a family like that and being so supported has led to her making this incredibly momentous decision for herself and for her partner um, yeah, so it was it was so so special, and it's just a, I think another reminder of the bigger theme of this series, which is that this Matilda's team and Matilda's over the course of generations really are family. You know, like there there's no other word that you can really get close to understanding that. And I think particularly for queer people, having second families like this can be life saving. They can be life changing. Sometimes if your birth family or family outside of other contexts don't accept you or they don't allow you to flourish and be the person that you are, it, it can lead to some really serious and heartbreaking consequences. So being able to see Gilnick found finding her second family in the Matildas and then I guess finding her third family in her partner now, it's, yeah, it's, that's, that's why this stuff matters. That's why football matters. That's why the Matildas matter. It's, yeah, it's just it's a real it was a really special scene. It was so awesome to see. And then I loved like the aftermath because it was like really mundane little moments where, you know, like one of the trainers is like to her, Oh, congratulations. Let's go for a run. Like it was just it was so tiny. Um and then my favorite bit was I think they must have been on the grass just stretching whatever it was. 
um or maybe on the bus I can't remember um and I think Alana Kennedy was like what did you say like how did you do it and Emily's like I had notes I forgot them in the room though but I remembered the ring and that was the most important thing like (laughs) I respected that a lot because intensely relatable to have done all the preparation and still not remembered it in the key moment but um like I said that was a really special thing to see arguably the highlight of this international window barring the first 45 minutes of the second game against Canada because there wasn't much else to love about this Canada series um and the thing that we really saw was just how sort of pervasive little injuries can be and little niggles can be and also like how the players deal with that and like what the process is from like feeling something to reporting it to how often they have to check in what that actually involves like that's a behind the scenes we don't really get to see so we saw that with Steph Catley we saw that with a couple of other players and it was just not that we needed a reminder but it's like god these players put their bodies through so much it's kind of a miracle that they do stay healthy as long as they do because they are putting their bodies through so, so much. Um, My favourite quote from this was Sam Kerr, uh, pardon the French, just uh, watching everyone kind of go off, get treatment, talking with physios. She's like, fuck me, they're dropping everywhere, Um, which felt intensely relatable at the moment. But um, what were your takes on getting to relive the Canada series from sort of like those trainings right up to the very sombre mood after both of losses both of the losses against Canada yeah um I I think this episode was my favorite for this reason it's kind of like look into how these things are managed behind the scenes because I suppose as like fans and followers you get a bit of you get like a oh this player has had a knock um that's and you're just kind of like oh that sucks they're not playing oh how does that affect the lineup oh we're not looking as strong as we could or or whatever it is Steph Catley in particular I feel like um it was really interesting seeing her kind of processing that and coming to terms with like okay I need to not play this game and having that conversation where she actually takes herself out of the equation I think um I think was it Hayley Rasso was talking about in an earlier episode like even if players are injured they'll usually push through it because they they want to play and I suppose on the one side of that you can look at it with like oh it's just because they love football so much but there's also like it's also about keeping your spot in the squad there's probably a bit of pressure around that obviously you're not necessarily going to have that if you're a Steph Catley but if you're a player not as established or as high on the kind of hierarchy you might not have the uh kind of confidence in yourself to make those decisions as well and you you will push through to to you know preserve your access to this minute so it's an interesting kind of yeah it was an interesting look behind the scenes and I would be interested I think I don't have the perspective to know how much how new a lot of this stuff is like how long the team would have had um the, the support around them and, and to have someone monitoring and how long they've had someone like a Patty Steinfurt to actually also intervene and, and make those decisions for them in a lot of cases. So um, 
he was the the team doctor that advocated for them to take the break for the Spain and Portugal friendlies in one of the early episodes. So yeah, um, super super interesting. Um, the Canada series. Um, <laughs> uh, I was actually that came up in my memories yesterday. Like my, you know how Google Photos is like, do you remember this? And it's like me and Marissa taking pics um at the airport not realizing that we're about to miss our flight very cute um but yeah the Canada series was a, <laughs> that was like a weird a weird one hey because it it was so affected by the these dropouts um these injury dropouts as well because I think a lot of people were excited to be able to see such a strong Tilly side play at home um in Brisbane and in Sydney um and I suppose I mean we did get to see yeah, Adriana Leon. You have a lot to answer for. Anyway, <laughs> there was like it wasn't Courtney Nevin who ended up on the left wing and she she had an interesting time. Uh Marky and Adriana. Anyway, yeah, so that it feels it was only like six months ago, hey. But it's actually again the being able to reflect and be like, we've come so far. Like I don't think a result like Canada would happen again. And now we actually, we know we're going to face them in the the World Cup. That was some of the context that we didn't have, we didn't know about just um, at, at the time of filming of this episode and at the time of those games. So, yeah, super interesting. I went on a tangent there. We were talking about injuries. Sam, did you have anything you wanted to add? I, I watching, re-watching this back, it, it just reminded me of, like, how it felt in that, moment because I think the like the Spain Portugal window was one thing but I think the Canada window really was the low point for a lot of people um because it it just it just felt like it was time was moving too quickly and we weren't seeing enough improvement but I remember particularly in that second game like that first half was amazing it was probably the best half of football that they played under Tony and like Mary Fowler scored that goal as well, which is incredible. It was it's in Sydney. It was a it was a really good moment, and you were kind of like, oh my god, like is this it? Is this the turning point? And then the second half happens, and you're like, oh no, it's not actually. This is just as bad, if not worse, than what we've experienced so far. Um, all thanks to Adriana Leon. But yeah, no, it was yeah. I, I, I agree with you, Angela. I think the 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 impact of this episode is actually seeing how significant their their injury situation was at that point. Um, and it's like Tony talks so much about needing consistency and cohesion in terms of squad members and study after study has shown that champion teams that go on to win major trophies are those that statistically have the most consistency in, in terms of their lineups. So like every episode of this series that goes on, you see how much they have struggled to, to have that. Like for basically every single window has not had the same starting 11, which is kind of extraordinary. And now if you look back on it, um, given their run of results recently, you're kind of like, it's almost more impressive that they've managed to get to this point and are playing the kind of football that they're playing now, considering how handicapped they were in terms of all of this. And I also really enjoyed the little insights that we got into some of the other staff members, um, like Brandy, for example, the team doctor, Jack Sharkey, who's the, the head of sports science as well, and them providing all of that context and understanding for us about what these camps 
actually look like for players like this, for a Steph Catley who comes in perhaps sort of feeling a bit of a niggle and how 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 sort of layered the process is around them um, because they are in some cases almost irreplaceable. So you have to make particular decisions in the moment that has a, an eye on the long term. Um, and even though in, in those moments for us on the outside, watching some of these decisions being made, we're kind of like, wait, what? Like a niggle, like who cares type of thing. We like, this is the first time that you really see why those decisions have been made, which I think is, is really important. Um, but yeah, the, the Canada series, I remember coming off the back of that and it, it, it really felt like, um, the, the belief from everyone on the outside was at its lowest ebb, I think. Um, like it was, it was really only Tony and the players who kept sort of um, reiterating the rhetoric around that they believe that in the process and this is all part of the plan and, you know, baby steps and all that sort of thing. But from the, the reaction from everybody on the outside on, on social media and all the punditry and all the, all the comments in mainstream media, like it just felt like that was like, it was so close to fizzling out that little candle, you know? Um, so, but the, the only thing that we could sort of um, keep our hopes alive was the performance in that first half. I feel like that was the only thing that I was t- like clawing onto. Cause it's like, it was really good football. We showed that we can play really good football. We just need to do it again for another 45 minutes. That's all it needs. Um, and you know, we go on to say that, that does eventually happen as the, as the team gets a little bit better and players return from injury and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, so it was, again, um, yeah, um, I don't enjoy particularly returning to moments of deep trauma like this. Um, but you know, that's just, uh, this is Australian football, right? It's a minefield of trauma. I think I said this at the time and I've probably said this previously, but that press conference after the Sydney game was just the lowest, Ebb. Yeah. It felt like it, like it felt like we were attending a funeral. We were sitting in this little theaterette, and it was like, "Here, come watch the death of the Matildas." Like that's like not to be dramatic, but that's what it felt like. And like Tony that, yeah. walked in, and I can't remember if it was Kate Ford or Sam Kerr who did the post match with him, but it was just like we're asking these questions and there were a lot of media there because it was in Sydney, it was the opening, like it was the first international football game uh played at the new Allianz Stadium. So like it was a big deal. It was a it was a moment. And that's what happened. Um and then I remember we like we were we were sad after like there's no sugarcoating it. We were sad afterwards and I remember the three of us and friends of the pod, Fatty and Madge trying to then go find a drink after the game to kind of like have commiseration. Oh, I remember beer. that. Walking in the rain. <laughs> oh God. Because it was yeah. Sydney, nothing was open. So we were literally nothing just wandering the streets around Moore Park, trying to find somewhere to have a beer. It was the saddest night. And eventually yeah. we all just had to call it because it was like, what the fuck are we doing here? Um, <laughs> But there's a little insight. What a metaphor as well, Marissa, just pointless wandering through the rain. Yeah. It felt that was very much the vibe of the <sighs> of the Matildas moment. So then. there's a little behind-the-scenes TFP, what goes on when we could cover Matildas <laughs> games. But it, it was just the worst. And I also I really enjoyed, we didn't really, really go into it, but a lot of the players, particularly after the first Canada game, were like, 
we've had some frank conversations. We, like, as much as there was the belief, there was also the kind of, like, this isn't sitting right. Like, the fact that this keeps happening isn't sitting right. We need not to use a Tonyism from one of the earlier episodes, but we need to keep doing what we're doing, but better. Um, so I enjoyed that there was that like illusion of tension, like they weren't happy with what was happening and they knew that they needed to do something. It was just what could they do? Um, and I feel like it would be uh, remiss of me not to mention one of the best moments of this episode, which was they're all sitting in the change room getting ready before one of the games and someone pulls out the speaker. So they're getting ready to get hyped up. They're getting ready to put on the jams. And some silly bugger has changed whatever pump-up song they were going to play and has instead put on Celine Dion's My Heart Will Go On. Um, (laughs) And I just love because instantly they have all committed to the bit. And so, like, Alana Kennedy is there, arms wide open, like, she's singing, she's giving it her all. We see Sam Kerr wander past the camera with a water bottle as a microphone and she's singing into the camera and she is putting her whole body into this performance and they they're just genuinely all belting it out and uh I think you said it Angela like you know athletes are different people like they're very very focused and driven and determined blah 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 but sometimes they're also just like us and they hear something Dion's my heart will go on and they're like well I have no choice but to sing this for the next several minutes um so I really enjoyed that I love seeing the Tillies be silly geese because we're silly geese too. <laughs> um, but that's episode five. We have one more episode left. We have episode six. So there's going to be a lot of fun things in episode six. We can't wait. But thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we're on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app, as well as Spotify, Apple and Google all of the usual pod spots. The documentary is called The Matildas, The World at Our Feet, streaming exclusively on Disney+. Plus. If you want to have a chat to us about the doco, we're at The Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, see you.